Got time for a quick story. I'm a huge Genesis fan. I have been since about well, seventh grade is when I really started to dive in on all things Genesis and Genesis-related. I like the pop music. I like the prog rock music. I uh, Everything. And there's a lot of different types of music in, in the Genesis discography. I'm a full-blown Genesis fan. So the opportunity to interview one of the members or one of the people who have been closely associated with the band is a special opportunity. And uh, my next few interviews on Got Time for a Quick Story are going to be my Genesis-related interviews thus far over the past few years. And hopefully there will be more in the future. Steve Hackett, their guitarist in a good chunk of the 1970s, has an autobiography coming out in the summer of 2020. I actually did inter- interview him in 2019, and that'll be in an upcoming episode of Got Time for a Quick Story. But thought I would start with an interview I did with Mike Rutherford back in the spring of 2019. This was when Mike and the Mechanics, of course, Mike Rutherford of Genesis is the Mike of Mike and the Mechanics, released a new album called Let Me Fly. And fortuitously, I got the opportunity to speak to him. I did not imagine that would happen. I put a, put out a feeler to the record label and said, anyone associated with the band, could I interview them? And they said, yep, Mike Rutherford. What? what? Sure. So got the chance to chat with Mike Rutherford about that album and some other aspects of his time with Genesis. It was one of the more special interviews I've ever had the chance to do. So this is our first part of Genesis-related interviews with Mike Rutherford of Genesis and Mike and the Mechanics from the spring of 2017 talking about Let Me Fly from Mike and the Mechanics and more on this episode of Got Time for a Quick Story. We're talking this morning with Mike Rutherford. Mike and the Mechanics, their new album, Let Me Fly, has been out for almost a month now. came out on April 7th. And first question, let's dive right on in with this having been about a month as you've been going around uh, doing interviews, getting feedback from fans through maybe social media or wherever interaction, have fans sort of settled on maybe one or two songs that they seem to have as favorites from the album? Yeah, I think some, especially the title track, Let Me Fly, which is the first track of the album, and the first song we wrote. I think that that's a bit of a favorite. Um, and after that, there's two other choices. One called Don't Know What Came Over, Don't Know What Came Over, Me is a Good Choice. Or yet, best yet to come. But I think the first, the favorite one is "Let Me Fly." Actually, probably it, my favorite too. It's uh, it, it, it's a good kickoff to the album. I see Andrew Rochford sings more of the lead, Tim Howard less of the lead. And how how do you determine as it goes along who sings more of the lead vocals, or is it just a matter of who writes the songs? How does that kind of get divvied up? Yeah, to be honest, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not like sort of like it's kind of obvious. You know what I mean? In, in general. And luckily, overall on the album, it's pretty much uh, not far off half-half. You know, but if, if, if it wasn't that way, it's not a plan for that reason. Um, but I think, um, in a sense, having the R&B voice and the rock voice, you've got variety to get two singers on. Um, but it's fairly obvious who sings what, I think. It's, I, I don't say that's it. They, they just do it, and it's obvious who's, who's the right kind of voice for it. Now, let's go back to kind of the, excuse the term, the genesis of this incarnation of Mike and the Mechanics. Yeah, exactly. Go back to about late 2000s, early 2010s. You had The Road come out in 2011 and when Andrew and Tim first got in the group. So that album comes out and you'd started doing more touring. And as I understand, obviously you've been doing more touring with this set than if we're going back to the prior lineups in the 80s and 90s, obviously. 
But what, what was the point where you decided to start working on music for this album? Was it kind of organic? Where do you go, I want to do what became Let Me Fly? Yeah, I think basically what, what became clear to me is that you know, we started, we did the album The Road, and then we started touring. And after a while, I think, you know, you need new songs to play. I mean, in, in my career, I've always, got, I've always got on tour with a new album. Never, you know, Genesis, every, every time we toured, is with a new album. So doing two or three tours without new albums, I start to feel, I want some new songs. Um, the band wants some new songs. And I think this last tour we've done in the UK recently, what was interesting was that the first time they're all playing, they're playing six or seven new songs. And so these are songs this, this band wrote and co-wrote and grew up with. So it's more about them, I think, which is great. Their writing in particular, what, what would you say are their styles? And I noticed, like I, I mentioned earlier, looking at the songwriting credits, it's not a perfect sync, but it looks like most of the songs that Andrew sang are the ones he wrote. A lot of the songs that Tim yeah. sang, he wrote. It's kind of, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a natural point. The songs he sort of co-wrote using his voice. And what Andrew's very good at doing um, is actually, is that the, uh, for example, the title, Let Me Fly, the initial melody was slightly more complicated, mm-hmm. slightly more poppy, and he kind of made it, knocked it down to an R&B natural vocal thing, you know, just something that sings really well. Mm-hmm. Is is there a, a certain style that each one brings? How would you describe their writing? Yeah. I think Andrew brings this kind of emotion. You know, he's one of those singers that when he sings a song, you believe it. For example, the first time he sang Living Years, I was a bit like, a little bit worried, you know, because it was a fabulous book from Paul Carrick. Um, and the first time he sang it, you kind of went, I was blown away. You know, you believe what he, you believe what he says. Um, whereas Tim is slightly more the energy, energized, on stage, the energy person. Uh, what would you say would be uh, maybe the difference in the production and the creation of the songs with Brian Rawling, compare in the, which I see in the first half of the album, he's on the producer credits, th- compared to in the second half of the album, I see there's more uh, with Mark Taylor, there's more with, with your son Harry. Of course, you're yeah. throughout the album, but w- w- what's the difference there? I think... I think um, Certain songs don't need Brian's, but Brian's, but what Brian's skill really is, he's got ears. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the kind of Berry Gordy ears. He knows when a song is right, not right. Um, at the start, we said to each, we agreed, look, if the song isn't right, we'll throw it out. And I said, yes. When it happened, I was like, oh my God, are you sure? But actually, he's right. You know, if people, if someone's saying, is that song good enough? It's not right. I'm like, when a song is good enough, everyone goes, no one asks questions, you know. Right. Um, so in a sense, he brings, he brings a pair of ears to it, really. Is, is there any particular song that you remember you were writing, or maybe some of you were writing, and you went, wow, this is going to be a key to this album, and Brian said, look, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I disagree. You, you can't keep going with this one. Is there one of those kind of a song that got yeah, away? We had a song which actually, for the first time in my life, the lyric, um, I might reuse. The, lyric, the, 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 the lyrical line was, when the world stops loving you. And we wrote the song, and it just didn't quite, you know, I, I liked it. And he went, do you know what? Lyric's good, song is not. So we dropped it. I think he's right. I, mean, I might actually reappear, because the lyric was a nice idea. Um, but I think musically, it wasn't quite working. Speaking of songwriters on this album, Clark Datchler is on a lot of the songs. And for those that don't know, he was he was and is in Johnny Hates Jazz as, as the lead singer, also does some piano on, on this album. How did you come to collaborate with him? Kind of a two-part question. How did you come to collaborate with Clark, and what songwriting approach did he bring to this project? He was recommended, actually, by, by Brad Rowland, who's a good friend and, you know, a bit of a mentor on, on, on projects, you know, recommended Clark. And the first, the first day he wrote, the first song he ever wrote was 
the title track, Let Me Fly, and it, it kind of worked. Um, and he brings, he's a bit like my old karate, B.A. Robertson, mm-hmm. who wrote The Living Years with, you know, he's a bit like a, a younger version, a new version of him. Oh. Um, he has something which is actually it's quite poppy, and I'm not. So it's a good combination. <laughs> What going to your uh, going to your son Harry? How would you describe him as a producer engineer? And how what is the dynamic like in the control room in the studio with him working? It's great because I think what Harry what the skill Harry's got, apart from knowing when it's right or wrong, he's got the ears. Once again, you know what I mean. You'll, you'll do a take, and and you'll know that one bit of vocal is good and the rest isn't, or one bit of guitar is good, and he's got the same ears. He'll know. That isn't quite right. And you, that's something you can't learn. You know, you can't learn that skill. If you haven't got it, it'll never come. And luckily, he's got it. Of those that and, have... you know, sitting beside my son's wonderful, you know. <laughs> what a great pleasure is that? That's, if it works out, that's a marvelous thing to have happen. Exactly. Uh, those that have followed Genesis for a long time are, especially the, the Genesis fans know the creation process in the studio, especially in the era of the farm. There have been documentaries like the, like the, the documentary about We Can't Dance and showing how the creation yeah. process goes. And the stories of like the jamming, for example, and, and coming up with songs that way. How is, and how is the Mike and the Mechanics process, and you kind of alluded to how some of these songs came from demos, but how is the song creation process in the studio? So I'm getting more into production, I guess. How does, and arranging, how is that different or not different from Genesis, and maybe even different eras of Genesis, maybe 70s era, 80s era, and also earlier Mike and the Mechanics? Yeah, it's not miles away from the, the, the main Genesis career. It was basically the three of us, myself, Phil and Tony, was the bulk of our career. It's not miles away, because you know, I'm in the studio... I've got my guitar, I've got my guitar, my bass pedals, I've got a sort of a guitar synthesizer sound, so I'm making a big noise of strings and guitar, and there's Rachel playing piano and singing, or Clark, you know, so the sound is good. The sound sort of, once again, you, you do slightly jam. I've got a bit idea, um, and you push it around. It's about being, which is why I like being in a band, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's about two or three guys in the room interacting. It's, it's not miles away, really. Your, you mentioned equipment. You mentioned you got your 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 pedals. You got your guitars. Uh, for, first question: Are you still using the old Moog Taurus bass pedals from the seventies? Still? Um, no, because they're they're only one or two. Of them. Actually, they, I've got about seven pairs, and none of them work. Oh, uh, they're slightly archaic. I just use a, use a MIDI one now, a double octave one. Just plays a sort of um, a sort of plug-in bass sound, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a big part of what I do because when I write, very often. The guitar sits in the same three notes, and the pedals move around and change the chords. Right. Um, in a way you wouldn't do after you've written it. But if, if you write it that way, you can be quite brave with bass notes. <laughs> what equipment are you using right now in terms of your guitar and bass guitars? Uh, guitar, I basically, I basically sound my, my old Eric Clapton Strat with a boost, um, and the Fender DeVille, not many pedals, T-Rex, which, which is a Danish company, uh, fuzz boost, um, but I, I tend to I, 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 when I'm playing my amplifiers in the attic, pumping out loud. Mm-hmm. My mic that comes back into my Pro Tools rig, into Cubase. But it's it's sort of it's, it's a my guitar sound at home. I can't be anywhere else. I, I play most guitars at home. What 
tunings on your guitars. I, I had a chance to talk to chat with Daryl Sturmer a couple years ago when Mike and the Mechanics uh, had uh, when you guys on your American tour and you had a concert oh, in, yeah. in Milwaukee. And so I was chatting with Daryl about uh, about previewing that, and he mentioned your guitar tunings. That at least at that point there were three different tunings, but in particular that you would always tune the high E string to make it a D string. Uh, among yeah. other among other ones, you also mentioned like for turn it on again that there was a different guitar tuning for that. Uh, are you still using that? Have you changed tunings over the years? How, how and also why do you tune that way? That's probably the most interesting part. Well, you often tune because you get different sounding chords. Like turn again is a very bizarre tuning for turn again, um, and I've kind of stopped doing it because actually. I used to forget them sometimes. You know what I mean? It's so complicated on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've done so much of it. Um, but love, love story. Actually, the other day uh, I had a sort of a show in England, and my guitar tech was uh, had a fan problem, so I got a stand-in guy. And the song "Land of Confusion," we, we played two Genesis songs. Um, no more. That's enough. "Land of Confusion." The E top E is down to D. Well, he misread the notes and tuned the bottom E down to D. <laughs> so I get on stage, and it's just like a train smashed, and I realise it. Um, but I, I do, I do it less now, to be honest. Um, I feel I've done it so many times, I'm not so bored anymore. Mm. What or how has your technique evolved over the years? Is there a way you can describe your playing from your, I mean, the earliest days, picking up a guitar, through the, et cetera, et cetera? How, what is your evolution like, and is there a certain style you emulate nowadays? Well, I, I'm always, I, I'm always trusted, I say the base, I'm a songwriter who plays guitar, well enough to write the songs and to play them on stage. I think really the, the big change really in the last years was when Steve Hackett left in <laughs> 78. Right. You know, we thought about adding another guitarist, but actually it seemed we were too much of a family, so we carried on. And I played lead guitar slowly. I found the last six, seven years, my lead guitar playing on stage has improved quite a lot um, just through doing it. That's probably the biggest change. But speaking of Steve Hackett, I've been listening to his... New album came out uh, just a what was the night siren? I think just a matter of weeks ago or so. Have you gotten a chance to listen to uh, to the uh, to that album by chance? I, no, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't heard his stuff for a while. Actually, I haven't heard it. No. It's a, it, it, it gave me a lot of flashbacks to uh, Wind and Wuthering era Genesis in particular. Sure. Just and I mean, he's got uh, disparate styles, but I was listening through it and like, wow, that's it. It, 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 it kind of that echo there from forty years on from that. Um, and as long as I'm asking you this, speaking quick on 40 years on from Wind and Wuthering, we just celebrated the 40th anniversary of that album, I think at the end of December, early January or so. That was, you mentioned, that was just before Steve left the band. Recollections from that moment, right before, like you said, just before you took over as the lead guitarist. What, what do you remember from that album? Yeah, I think, I remember thinking, I think, I think Steve, basically, Steve, I think he had a solo album. Now, and I, it's kind of sad he left last year. He needn't have left, really, I don't think. Um, I think he felt frustrated by the amount of songs he got on the album. And I think he found satisfaction in his solo albums way beyond the Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in my case, doing solo careers and then the Mike and Mechanics, I found that it was more about variety from the main band. I enjoyed the change um, and their frustration. So in a sense, and then I remember the day he left was slightly odd. He just didn't come in, really. Um, kind of sad, really. But then I think, I think he was naturally more comfortable being a solo artist. Mm. Going back to today and your current songwriting influences, what has influenced your writing? And did any, did any particular music influence the songwriting for Let Me Fly? No, I tend to think, you know, basically your influences come when you're young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Nothing new comes after that. Really. You hear stuff, you hear songs on the radio, 
Um, but my influence is still really my heroes in the early days, you know, the, the, the Beatles, Stones, Who, Small Faces, I mean, amazing uh, bunch of songwriters um, who, when you're young, you, that's when it goes into your body as to what you are. Um, and that's still there. Not, I mean, I, I hear stuff on, on the radio now, it's always good songs, but um, um, I think it's more, you're, you're sort of tied to where you are by then. In, in, while this may not influence your songwriting, what current music, those songs maybe you hear on the radio or whatnot, what modern artists, what modern, what current songs kind of standing out that you seem to like nowadays? Yeah, I love a band called Elbow. They're fantastic. Uh, Jack Savaretti, Ed Sheeran's The Real Deal. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's been a good time bringing this music, Adele. I mean, some great, great stuff going on at the moment, I think, actually. Listen- um, and some good bands coming out. Listening through through uh, Let Me Fly, I pick up some prior elements of Mike and the Mechanics. I like, I, for example, in the letter, there's a couple there. I'll pick up a little bit of Maya Copa from Beggar on a Beach of Gold. I yeah. hear a little bit of Silent Running, even in that song. And throughout the album, I hear some echoes of the past, but not entirely. Is that? I think a, that's. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's not intentional, but I mean, it's going to happen, isn't it? I mean, I think I take pleasure in the fact people hear the songs and they say, "I heard a song video." like a mechanic song, you know, we have a sort of sound, I'm not quite sure what it is, but maybe it's the chords and that it is. We have a certain sort of sound that actually, um, I think, is, is, is our sound. I think it's original. So that's almost, I think, is, is something you can't, you're trying to avoid repeating yourself, but you're still going to be in the same bracket as what you are. You're going to be doing more live tour dates later on this year. You already had some live dates this spring thus far, but in September you got the European tour, and then, of course, there's a couple dates in Dublin and London at the end of June opening up for Phil Collins. I believe Blondie's on the, on the, on the set list as well, or the, on, the, on the gig list, if you will, um, yeah. and, and the rundown and some other acts. What have you been playing live from Let Me Fly thus far? And, again, two-part question, do you see the set list changing up later on this year? Yeah, probably a bit. I mean, the one song we we actually play seven new songs from the album, which is a lot. We do we do a couple of them, Wonder and uh, High Life acoustically. Um, it's a lot of new songs to play, but it seems to work. You know, no one walks out. I don't feel the audience are losing us. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying the new songs. Um, we might add, we haven't done the letter yet. Uh, we might add that in September, I think. Um, but well, you know, I think the, the seven new songs is quite a lot to play. But it seems to be working. Do you see yourself, I'm going to stretch back a little ways here, do you ever see yourself adding songs nowadays, I should say, from Small Creeps Day or Acting Very Strange, the two solo albums, do you ever see those getting back into the list? I don't think so, because there's enough mechanic songs. We have trouble making a set anyway. Mm-hmm. Set's nearly two hours at the moment. Um, there's a lot of all, mechan- all mechanic songs to choose from, I think. I wouldn't have thought so, no. Mm-hmm. Would, would there be, if you ever had the chance to do a pure solo gig, and I know, as, as you said many times, you said you like being in a band, but if you ever did yeah. just a, like a, a solo performance, are there any songs, mechanic songs, your solo work, Genesis songs that would stand out as like, you know, I, I could just do this on my own, like maybe instrumentally, perhaps? Never occurred to me. Hmm. I, you know, the, the trouble is, you know, unless you're a singer, it's quite hard, you know, being a solo artist. I think you need to be a singer to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not good enough singer, so that sort of defines it, really. Throughout your career, obviously many, 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 many songs. 
Is there a certain song that you wish you could play live with Mike and the Mechanics maybe on, on tour? Or you could even stretch it to Genesis if you ever to play live again that, in that context. Or whatever the live situation. Is there a certain song that you wish you could play live, but because of either the complexity of the arrangement, or maybe it always just doesn't make the cut for whatever reason, what's that gem that you just wish you could break out live in concert? The, the Mechanics song on the second album called Nobody... Uh Nobody knows Paul Carey sang, which I love. It's a fabulous song. We played it live about three years ago. Doesn't connect. It sounds good. Songs are weird live. The song sounds good, like the record. A lovely big warm atmosphere, great grooves. But the audience just don't get it. Hmm. So I don't know why. I wish I wish they knew why they didn't get it. Cause it's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Unless it gets a little mercurial that way, you just never really know how that's going to turn out. Have there, yeah. have there, have there been any that go the other way, that all, all over the decades, that you go, man, I just don't know about this song. I mean, it's on the album, so obviously you you and your bandmates like it, but then you go out live and go, wow, we didn't expect this really good reaction. Yeah, there's one on the new album called High Life, which is sort of a little odd song, slightly quirky song, mm-hmm. and live we play it without the little drum box thing, um, and it's a, it's a crowd stormer. It's very simple. It's very empty. Mm-hmm. The two voices, two guitars, a lot of space in it. Goes down a storm. Surprised me. Fascinating. Uh, I'm going to spare you the Genesis reunion question. That's a dime a dozen. But I do, But about the Dublin and London concerts. Have I was at that Paps Theater concert. Saw Daryl and you play. Uh, I can't dance on stage and turn it on again on stage. Uh, so obviously people are going to wonder. Well, if you're opening up for Phil, is there any chance that you two would do a one-off during one one of those two shows, like a song here or there, when in any sort of context? Or are you just like, we're just going to open. He's going to do his thing. Let's just enjoy the concerts. I just sort of feel my. my I'm seeing for, I'll see. I'll see you next week. I, I just sort of feel this is Phil's comeback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's having he's having a sort of back in action again with his son playing drums. I think it should be all about him at the moment. Um, is my sort of feeling, really. I don't want to sort of... I think it's not right to cloud it at the moment. I mean, but no plans, but it feels the wrong time to, to sort of mix it up. It should be about him coming back, uh, being great on stage, the start of his, probably the start of his next career, I suppose, yeah, next era. You obviously need to let this album kind of live a little bit, you know, tour it and get people to be exposed to it. But are you already starting to think of music for a future project, a future album? What What are the long-term recording plans and writing plans for Mike and the Mechanics? I suppose this this, this album, the very first Mechanics album, we sort of we sort of we we met and we got a new team going this time. I think with Clark and how to do it, the production team. It means that another another one will be actually easier to do because it's a bit like the second Mechanics album. Sort of, you know what you're doing. Um, there's no plans. I've got a few ideas at the moment, a few lyrics actually, which are quite unusual for me. Two lyrical ideas that didn't quite deliver, um, but I think the lyrics are strong enough, so we might carry that on. And tour date wise, here in America, I, I think if I saw in some of the interviews, what was it? February or well, it could be fe- February, February, March is the plan. Yeah. Okay. It is. I don't know if it's too early to figure out actual dates, but are there more plans to come up here to Wisconsin, Minnesota, here in the Upper Midwest? I'm sure if we come there, come to the states, we'll be going there. I'm sure. Very good. We're looking forward to seeing you guys come back. It was a great show to watch in Milwaukee two years ago. It was a lot of energy with that one, and so we're looking forward to you guys coming back. 
Mike Rutherford, thank you very much. As someone who's followed the Genesis catalog and Mike and the Mechanics over, over many, many years, this has been quite honestly a treat and an honor to, to get to talk to you. And you've had a great influence on my life and, and on a lot of our listeners have a lot of great music. So it's been an honor to chat with you. Good luck. Take care and enjoy, uh, enjoy the tour dates this summer. Great. Thanks very much. Nice talking to you. You too. See you up there when we come back next, next year. Will Thanks do. A lot. Yeah, that was a really fun interview with Mike Rutherford back in 2017. And quite honestly, that's an interview I'm going to cherish for quite some time, To having that opportunity to talk to somebody who has been very influential in my musical experience, basically, just of, of listening to music. If you want to learn more about what Mike and the Mechanics are doing, they've since released another album called Out of the Blue that came out in the spring of 2019. Well, you can find them on Facebook. You can also go to MikeAndTheMechanics.com. MikeAndTheMechanics.com. The, 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 the official way that it's spelled, it, it looks it's a plus sign instead of an and then in terms of the band's name. But when you type it out in the URL in a, in a web browser, it's the word and. So mikeandthemechanics.com. Like I said, you can also look them up on Facebook to keep up to date on what they're doing. They're still active and and find out what projects they're up to next and what projects Mike Rutherford is working on. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story and the first in a series of my Genesis-related interviews. Thanks to my employer, Greatest Hits 98.1, for providing the facilities for that interview and a whole lot of other interviews, which you can listen to at greatesthits981.com. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts, particularly if it's at Apple or Android, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and also rate this podcast. The higher you rate it, the more people will learn about Got Time for a Quick Story. I'm Luke Anthony.